Last time, we took a short break to hear from Fordy, but now it's time to get back to our story. Hey there everybody, Martin here, and this is episode 5 of The Startup Diary, where in this episode, it was time for me and Adam to talk about the first 12 months of starting and running his own business. So, going back to the beginning, we kicked off by talking about when the company started and why he felt it was a good idea to jump straight into his new project right after quitting his job. I think it's only right we go back to the very, very start. And bring back some nightmares. (laughs) Uh, And uh, just talk about when did it start and where did it start? Okay, so it all started officially April 2013 was the first month of working for myself full-time. And that was straight out of leaving my old job. So I had to jump straight into it, didn't have a break. Um, I think when you actually decide to leave, you just want to get started. So yeah, April 2013 is when it all kicked off. Okay. When you decided not to take a break, why was that? Was it just you were so gung-ho and you, you know, because in the last episode we talked about... um, you would had a calendar date in your calendar. Yep. You'd really thought this through. And was it you just really wanted to execute on that or was it you just felt it was the right time to do that? Would you recommend taking a break to somebody else? Yeah, I think um, I think because I'd planned it out so much, I'd, I think it was just excitement, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. I had this date in the calendar, three, four, five. Uh, actually, it was six months out thinking about it. Yeah, about six months out in the calendar. Um, and I think because you'd done that planning, then I, I just couldn't wait to get started. Yeah. Uh, also, the fact that when you leave your job, You've stopped your income. Yeah. Um, had a little bit of cash in the bank, probably enough to get me by a month, six weeks. But I just needed to get back into it and start making some cash, to be honest. Okay. Motivation is really important in any job or project that we do. But it's not always easy to keep a hold of. Working for yourself is much more difficult because it means that everything is resting on your shoulders. So I wanted to dig a bit deeper on how Adam coped with that. A few months in. How do you stay motivated when you first got things going? Ah. So excitement would have kicked in and there's the, there's the kind of start of that and getting everything set up. But keeping yourself motivated and something that you're passionate about, how did that? How was that for you when you first started? Yeah, so I think, I think when someone leaves their job or whenever you start anything, regardless whether it's a business or a side project, uh, motivation is always the highest, like the day it starts. But the thing is, is when you go to a job, you've got someone else telling you what to do. So you can't just go to work and just uh, sit around and just think, what would I like to do today? You've got a boss and you've got a boss for a reason. He tells you. <laughs> you've got a boss who, who should be telling you kind of the direction of the company, what we need to do, what's most important. Mm. But when you're self-employed, you don't have any of that. So you do have the flexibility to wake up at 10.30, uh, work for a couple of hours, go to the gym, go to the park, whatever you want to do. And two to three months in, you might start to slip. Like motivation for me started to slip two or three months in just because it got very, very hard. And I think I underestimated just how hard it was going to be to get your first two clients, a few customers, whatever you're doing. Like the excitement starts to slow down and the kind of realization that running a startup is not all about what you see and kind of, uh, uh, I don't know what the, the latest news is at the moment, but like tech news, yeah. um, it, seem, it seems to kind of popularize it as kind of the new rock stars and you quickly learn that running a startup is just hard work. That's all it is. But once that kind of motivation goes and the excitement of starting something new, then the people that are really ready to try and make this work, they either drop off or they kind of dig in and hustle. 
And it was really, to be honest, it was really difficult at times. I remember kind of waking up, doing some work, and I was the only person in the house, and just thinking, wow, am I really ready for this? Like doubt, I think doubt kicked in massively after about three months' time, just because it's it's a lot harder than you expect. And you kind of get lonely as well, because mm-hmm. you haven't got staff. My wife was at work. She had a few months left of her pregnancy before she went on um, maternity. So I was at home alone. Actually, yeah, you just you brought something back to me. So I got that kind of tired of being on my own at work. So I was just plugging away in front of a computer day and day out. I bought a dog. Like I literally bought a dog. It was a little beagle called Junior. And that was purely just to keep me company while I was at home. Because I was the only person in the house for eight to 10 hours a day. Sat in front of a computer. Very, very boring in the sense of no one to talk to. Can't like, listen to a lot of podcasts, but then you have to realize that if you listen to podcasts, it's also distracting away from the focus of the world. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up buying a dog just to keep me company. Like, <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> like three months in, I think everything just kind of hit the fan in terms of, can I do this? Uh, I'm not where I wanted to be after three months. I've done all this planning. Um, yeah, uh, nerves kicked in, to be honest. Then. Obviously, my wife was pregnant at this time as well, and she had a lot of kind of trust in me in terms of, I know this is something you want to do, so go do it. But when you've kind of won, you're living, I was living with her at that time, bills to pay. And then when you've got a little one on the way, yeah, it, of just, it massively compacts that pressure in. Uh, and then nerves and doubt kick in. And then, uh, yeah, you start to doubt yourself. And I think the way you pull yourself out of it, how did you pull How did I pull That's a good question. You got me, you got me rambling <laughs> oh, yeah, now. Yeah, good. you got me rambling now. Part of it was ego, I've got to admit. I would say a good 25, 30% of it was ego, just refusing to go back hand in cap to my old boss and say, okay. oh, actually, I might not have been ready for this. And then I'd say the other 70% is just because I planned it, regardless whether I wasn't hitting the numbers and, and the outcome that I wanted off the bat, I knew that this was something that I wanted to do long-term. So I wasn't just thinking short-term, three months, oh, it's not going well, panic, go get a job again. I kind of... I'd kind of half baked in the fact that this is going to be hard work, not as much as it was, but I think just just understanding that if I get this right now, it will affect the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So yes, you'll go through an extra month, three months, six months, 12 months worth of pain, but that's a really short amount of time in the big scheme of things. I think that's, I think I just started to think a bit longer term, which I was never used to. I was used to just get up in my job, sell, sell, sell and go home. And for the first time in my life, I actually had to start thinking a bit longer term. And it was helpful. Coming from a sales background, I wondered, was it important to Adam to set targets for himself? How realistic those targets were? And why talking to his customers and really listening to what they had to say changed the way he thought about his business forever? Was that interesting for you? Because like you said, though, you've come from a sales background and suddenly at the start, it wasn't all sell, sell, sell. Was that something that affected your morale in the sense of I'm not hitting what I want to do? Were you giving yourself targets in that side of things? Yeah, so like starting a business, and probably one thing that I should cover off is when I actually started, we, we, we were not doing anything like what we're doing today as a business. We actually basically set up as an online shop selling to uh, trades professionals. So we mm-hmm. sold tools. We actually sold a specific type of thing. It was a roof window. Because uh, that's the background that I was in. That's the um, product that I used to sell at my previous job and thought I can sell these online. Mm-hmm. So when I first set up, it was one, learning to sell these online. And because I'd never done it myself before, I just learned about it as I went, 
you're right. Like I know the volume that I was selling at my old job. And because I could compare that, like I knew how many windows the company sold and I knew how many sold in a, in my area. I knew how many I sold on a day because I wasn't even hitting like 1% of those sales with my own online shop. I thought, actually, is this scalable? Is this possible? So yeah, really demotivating in terms of sales because one, I was set my own targets because I thought I knew what was achievable. And two, I wasn't hitting them for the first time. I'm used to hitting my targets. And then the fact, like the day-to-day of running that business was wake up very early, 4.30, 5 o'clock, drive to the yard where I had all this stock of windows, put the windows into a van. Some of the windows were that big, they wouldn't fit into the back of the second-hand Vauxhall Astra van that I'd bought. So I then had to buy a roof rack and had to get these windows, which were anywhere from 15 kilos to 60. It's a kilo, yeah. Uh, sometimes I had to get those to, on top of the roof myself because the guy at the yard wasn't there where I stored the windows. I'd drive these around the country, dropping them off from the previous day's sales. I would then get back home four, five, six o'clock traffic dependent. I would then check on all the analytics of the sites, check the sales, process the orders, answer the customer service, do all that in the evening, and then just rinse and repeat that and do mm. it day in, day out. And I know people are listening to this saying, you're, you're such an idiot, like that doesn't scale. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the game plan. The game plan was to test to see if people would buy online and then either drop ship it, outsource it. It was just trying to kind of the MVP test in the product because we wanted to build lots of little sites that sold different products and then connect them all together. But it was killing me, like three, four months in, getting the first few sales took a couple of months. And then for the next six months, it was just killing me, like, long hours mm-hmm. lots of driving lots of handballing windows i remember driving down to devon um with two windows on the roof of my van and i tried to say it was a great thing to my wife because she could come with me she could come down to devon with me and we could spend the day down in devon after i've delivered these windows uh sheet ripped on top of the van roof windows got wet luckily the guy was like this cool surfer dude he just casually put them into like a shed anyway uh but it was it was an absolute nightmare and I think the biggest thing that I learned from that is regardless of what you're selling, listen to the people that you're selling to. Because like this team around us wouldn't be here today if I didn't speak to all these different tradespeople that were just complaining about the same things day in, day out. I'd heard it all before in my previous job. My brother had told me about it, but I was actually hearing it like constantly. I was selling these windows, a cup of coffee as I got there, delivered the windows, had a chat, and they just kept complaining about the same things. So I'd say... One of the biggest things that I learned in the first 12 months is don't fall in love with your initial idea, fall in love with the audience, fall in love with the customer you're trying to serve and making their life as easy as possible and be open to how you actually do that as a business. Because you might think that, oh, delivering this window at a cheaper price is going to massively help them. That's what I thought. going to save them money, great service, great value. Just be receptive to what people are telling you and just listen. Like, if you know your market and you start to learn your audience and you're open and honest with them, they're going to give you some of the best feedback that result in us pivoting our business and kind of resulting where we are today. Okay. I kind of went off on one then, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Regardless of what kind of business you work in, at some point, you are going to hit some setbacks. So I wanted to know a little bit more about the first setback that Adam faced and how he overcame it. What was your first setback? And... Now you're here, you, 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 where you are. Yep. 
did that hurt you much more than any other setback or, or something on the same scale? Did it hurt a lot more because it was your first one? Okay. So first 12 months, first setback. What was my first proper setback? I don't know whether it classes as a setback, but at the time when I decided to change the business model, when I decided to pivot mm-hmm. into this new thing that I'd found, like I thought I'd failed on the initial idea and making that, I should have made that leap three months earlier than I did. Okay, uh, at this point, uh, we lost a piece of our recording, but lesson learned, and it hopefully won't happen again. (laughs) But to round it all off, I asked Adam to sum up the biggest thing he learned in the first 12 months of running his own business for our listeners. Summing it up, the biggest thing that I learned in the first 12 months was not to be too stubborn. So if I could, I knew that I should have pivoted and gone into the the service that we're now running as a business three, four, possibly even five months earlier. Uh, then I actually decided to make the change and I was too stubborn at that point to actually say, there's this bigger opportunity. Here's what the market's telling me. I wanted to build a scalable business. I am serving the same audience. I need to go and do this because I didn't want to bump into someone, whether it be my old boss or an old school friend and say, Oh, how's that business going? Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm doing something different mainly because I thought they would have saw that as a failure or well, like that didn't work. Mm-hmm. So you're trying something new. So I think what I'm trying to get at is if you start in your own business, it's because you, you believe there's a certain, there's a certain need, there's a mission that you're on and you either need to be the type of person that's prepared to make tough decisions and execute on that mission. That mission might change over time, but you still need to make the tough decisions and execute on it. There's people that can do that and there's people that can't. If you're not the type of person that can make the tough decisions and follow through and execute and kind of not give a fuck what anyone else thinks, then you can't be the founder of a startup. You can't found a company. You can't be a CEO. Um, You've got to understand this isn't a popularity contest. You're trying to build a business. And that's not to say that there's a that's a bad thing. Like if you're the type of person that creates amazing audio quality podcasts or creates fantastic creative content for our business or has the best customer service Just say my attitude. name at this point, it's not a problem. <laughs> or has the best customer service attitude that our members fall in love with. Like these people are just as important because the business won't be here without them. Yeah. It's not you don't have to run a company to be successful. Like you can be part like ground level. You guys are at ground level in a startup. Whether you join a company at a later date, you just gotta really understand kind of what you want um and fit in with what suits you best. But just be aware of if you are like I, I can imagine a lot of the people that are listening to this are interested in starting a business. If you're not prepared to kind of execute and follow through and, and be decisive, then it's not the path for you because regardless of whether the first three, six, 12 months, two years go well, you will have to make tough decisions and your business, your job is to keep the business alive. And by being nice all the time, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Okay. Biggest lesson I learned the first 12 months. So you start at home working you said really, really long hours. Yeah, they, 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 were, they were silly long days, to be honest. I could get away with it then as well because I didn't have a little boy in of the course, house. Yeah. I've got to be a bit more sensitive in the house. But yeah, um, long, long hours. Did you did you find yourself trying to find a disconnect between work and home? Because obviously you're working at home. Mm. So when you have a job and you go out and you're obviously working somewhere else, you've got your commute and you're working somewhere else. But when it's home and work, did you find that, did you find that hard to mesh? Yeah, so I've I've kind of I've got an initial gut reaction to this is for the first 18 months I never disconnected. As in when I'm at home, 
if an order came in when we were new and we were selling stuff, I would respond to it. I would email, thank them for the order and carry through. And because I'm at the, I'm at the same room when I'm working or whether I'm sat uh, editing photos with my wife, like it's my desk. Like now I'm trying to get a little bit of disconnect purely because I have a two-year-old son and I need to be fair on my family. But back then, didn't have a son. And I think if you start a business and you're looking for that disconnect from day one, don't start a business. <laughs> like it does, it generally takes that sort of level of commitment. And um, when my wife listens to this, it, it will drive her insane because she had to put up with me. And that's probably another thing as well is like building a, your marriage to your business mm-hmm. and then trying to maintain a healthy relationship outside of that is going to be super tough. So just let your other half partner, whatever it is, understand that it's going to be loads of hard work. Um, I didn't really get a disconnect. The biggest thing that I did that helped was when I got that dog, Junior, is I took an hour's walk during the day. It just, I was, don't get me wrong, I was still thinking about work, but it allowed me to think about work rather than do work. Be in it. Yeah, exactly. So there's this whole thing of like working in your business and working on your business. Mm -hmm. I was always working in the business that never allowed me to work out what I was doing the next day or the next week or the next month and grow it. So just taking a bit of time out is important. So anyone listening to this who does decide to set up a business and work from home, take an hour out, just go and do something different. You will still think about work because I know you're going to be fairly obsessive about it, but take some time out um, and it will allow you to think just a, a little bit bigger. Um, and also like find time. For, if you've got, you got another half, you've got family, find time for them. Um, yeah, of course. From my perspective, it's you build, I'm trying to build a lifestyle for my family. Don't lose sight of why you're building the business. Um, what's that great quote i'm gonna i'm gonna screw it up on i am but okay so it's something along the lines of don't spend your life making a living and forget to make a life or something like that i see you going yeah, with it, yeah. it's kind of like don't lose don't lose sight of where you're originally starting it and i know a lot of people start a business with the idea of getting very wealthy hmm. uh, but wealth on its own is irrelevant uh, unless you've got kind of an end goal um it's getting very deep on this episode. Oh, yeah. yeah, it is. I can feel it. It's because like it brings back a lot of emotions. What it was like for the first twelve months, and it was, it was a, it's a roller coaster now, but it's just a different type of roller coaster. Um, this is just on a bit. Uh, this is on a bigger scale now with the business, but back then it was it was more emotional. To be honest, the first twelve months are a lot more emotional than it is now. I think that kind of sums it up. The first yeah. twelve months were a lot more emotional, um, and you you learn and you grow. If I could go back and change it, I wouldn't because it's where we are today. Like we have a great team. I'm super proud of everyone in in the office and everyone that works for us. And I just think if I did things differently, we might not be here. And I kind of love where we are. Now, normally this would be the end of our show, but there were a few questions in my mind, at least that were left unanswered. So here's a little something extra as a special treat to our listeners. Okay. Two questions. Number one. Okay. Where is Junior? Oh, why is he not here? Why did you kill him with this? <laughs> the last day that I actually remember crying was when I got rid of that dog. Seriously, I've had looks from the office at this point. So working super hard, you have limited time in a day. And before my son arrived, I had an hour a day. I worked out I could have an hour a day, so I walked the dog for that hour. And then when my son arrived, I had to keep choosing whether I spend a bit of time bottle feeding my son or whether I go and walk the dog. And it was just a horrible decision every day to work out where do I spend this extra hour. Because then like a normal person would say, I'll oh, take two hours out, spend an hour with your son and an hour with your dog. But when you're building a business, you can't. Like I had an hour for a reason because the rest of the time was taken. 
so I felt really bad because he kind of got a little bit neglected when my son arrived. Um, so I ended up finding uh, another home for him. So we put him up for sale with the idea. We were going to put him up for free, so we didn't care about getting any cash for him. With the idea that people that just wanted a free dog wouldn't apply. Someone that wanted to pay for him would. Um, and we found like this most amazing owner. So I was struggling to walk him. And now he's up in Scotland. I drove down from Scotland met me at a park with him. We went for a walk together. And he now, on the way back up to Scotland, he did three stops. It took three days to get back home because he didn't want such a long drive for Junior on his first day. Mm. So he stayed at dog-friendly hotels all the way back. And this guy runs his own little pub in Scotland. So he walks to work every day, 40 minutes, and he's just around the bar every day with staff, uh, with people that are coming in. So he's got a much better lifestyle than he got with me. Ah, but mate, you can't believe you brought that up. That's yeah, that's killed me. That I was like, <laughs> I just like, yeah, and I just like, I burst into tears when I left him. That's the last time I remember properly crying. Was it? Was he a baby when you had him? Was he young? Yeah, so we got him from an absolute pup. So we went and picked him out at six weeks. When we were allowed to have him at eight, I think it was. Um, yeah, we had him for a good, uh, good year. Good year. Very killed good year. me, mate. It was honestly <laughs> picked him up from near you actually near Wolverhampton. Um, miss that dog. Yeah. And the guy actually set up a Facebook page for him just so I could stay in contact. And like Sarah keeps telling me um, that we should go and see him, but I I think it will mess his head up a little bit. Uh, But he's, he's loving life. I'm happy overall. Okay. Next time, we'll be talking about Adam's time at his pre-accelerator and how that helped shape the company that he's running today. Thank you very much for listening. And we hope you'll join us next time on The Startup Diary.